Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined as always by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for theathletic.com, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And we are coming to you Thursday night, about eight hours after the trade deadline, where the Celtics made a number of deals. Don't know how to feel about them yet because they did something good in my eyes, which is acquire Evan Fournier for two second round picks and Jeff Teague, uh, pour some out for Jeff Teague right in the middle of his renaissance. Um, I thought that was a good deal. Then moments after the deadline, they they just dump Daniel Tice to the Chicago Bulls to get under the luxury tax and they get back Mo Wagner and they also have to send Jeff Green I, we'll get to both deals, um, but let's talk first just about Fournier. What do you think about that acquisition, Jay? I thought the Fournier piece of it was good. Like, Fournier fits. He's big. They needed more size in their backcourt. He can shoot. They needed more shooting. He scores about 20 points a game. Yeah, the Celtics need more firepower off the bench. And another veteran guy who knows what he's doing. Fournier is all of that. So, that part makes sense. He he's in the uh, uh, he's on an expiring contract, but they didn't have to give up much to get him. They didn't have to give up any pieces of their current roster. They g- gave up just two future second round picks. If it works out, cool. They can sign him to some deal to pay him about what he's getting now to continue being a good piece of their team. If it doesn't work out, you haven't given up too much. Um, but it's a tight part that just. That that part was less understandable. It was very not understandable. And I think, you know, you got to get under the luxury tax or they obviously... Well, do you have to get under the luxury tax? Like, Well, they, they obviously had some sort of directive to get under the luxury tax because otherwise you don't make a deal like that. Don't what, consider what, like, a deal I know like there's that. like problems like so you pay the like you go over the tax and you have to pay x number of dollars for every dollar over the tax aren't there like then penalties the next seasons for being a tax team or a repeater tax team would they yeah, the repeater the repeater is what they're getting out of so they won't be a repeater tax team next season now and and it'll help alleviate their tax bill 
moving forward on top of not having to pay any tax this season. So that's why they did it. And it makes sense to try to do that in a year when you're under 500 right now and don't really have a realistic chance of accomplishing what you want to in the playoffs. But but if that's your approach, then why are you trading for Fournier in the first place? Just because he didn't cost you anything? Well, he didn't cost you anything, and he could be a fit long-term, right? And and so I, I think that makes sense. Fournier is young enough where you can convince yourself, or maybe you don't even have to convince yourself. Maybe he's just good, and and he makes sense. So the Fournier piece, yeah, but the Tice piece just felt like they were backed into a corner because they gave Tristan Thompson two guaranteed years at the full mid-level, and even though he's been their third-best center this season – they had to trade somebody better than him to because nobody wanted his contract and his contract had negative value. And so I think the mistake the Celtics made goes back to Tristan Thompson. I, I didn't even mind that signing at the time, but now in retrospect, Robert Williams has emerged as a very good young talent. Uh, you know, Daniel Tice has been, he had to play out of position for a while. Brad Stevens went to two center lineups because he had too many centers on the team and not enough wings. And now the Celtics have had to trade a better center than Tristan Thompson. Now, is it is it like an enormous loss to move from Daniel Tice and Robert Williams to Tristan Thompson and Robert Williams or Robert Williams and Tristan Thompson? I don't think so. Like, there's not like, this enormous enormous discrepancy but it's just uh, the one mistake of signing Tristan Thompson has now snowballed to where they they had to get off Tice and now you know is are you going to have to pay to get off Thompson's contract in the offseason is because the luxury tax bill is is going to be coming and Jason Tatum's going to be on extension so that could be another headache the Celtics look to it just seems like some of their moves have snowballed um, and and they haven't responded well enough to to kind of the, the changing landscape after, you know, a bunch of their guys walked away. And and now, you know, they have to build around Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And and you wonder right now, like how they are going to get to a place where they're good enough. Yeah, and it it it's just Tice is clearly a better player and it sucks just to feel like you gave him up for nothing just purely for tax pers- purposes when you know what the owners of the team clearly have a bunch of money and uh I don't know if it's really a play about winning championships then paying extra money in the tax it shouldn't be something that you necessarily are super focused on. I get the argument about just like later cap flexibility I think if we take a step back and just in the in the scheme of things, one of the things we've talked about this entire season is a problem with the Celtics in terms of roster construction of they have three bigs and they have not enough wings. And they came out of this trade deadline removing one of those bigs and adding to a wing. And so I'm very interested to see what this means um, just in terms of minutes and like we don't, there's not going to be a too big lineup at no point should Tristan Thompson and uh, the time Lord Robert Williams be on the court together. You should see a lot more traditional lineups with um, 
four wings surrounding a big. Ideally, uh, with this, I agree with you. I've been kind of you, people, the listener gods out there know I've been kind of anti Tristan Thompson this entire year, and I would have much rather see him go. But ideally, this allows for much more playing time for Robert Williams. And we talked about him being a higher ceiling guy uh, for the Celtics this entire year. And so I my, my reaction to the entire deadline is like, okay, like, I guess uh, we'll see what happens. I think I like conceptually, I like the idea of just dropping to two centers, like two centers are going to play. Mo Wagner, I hope, don't think is going to get many serious minutes and just adding a wing and just making it easier because this roster like make should make it easier for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to score the basketball. It alleviates some scoring pressure off of them. It gives the Celtics some shooting. It just allows them to play more spread out. Uh, and so I think just like if we take a little bit of a step back Ideally, like in the in the long run, I think I like the totality of the moves, even though I agree with you, losing Tice for seemingly nothing feels like a a, a kick to the head. In honor of Daniel Tice, it feels like a, a straight kick to the head that no one's going to call a foul on. Yeah, and I, th- I, I agree with you. Like the Celtics got better today. If you look at it from a standpoint of, you know, how how good are they now? I think it's hard to argue they got worse because, yes, they lost. Tice, who is good, but they have other guys who are capable of replacing him. They did not have guys who were capable of doing what Evan Fournier does. And so that's a major upgrade for them. To go from Jeff Teague to Evan Fournier is a big deal. Romeo Lankford could be coming back soon. Who knows what he'll look like. If they find him. We don't even know what Romeo is. When he does, but but that's another wing that could be useful. so I, I do think they've gotten more modern with this. They'll shoot more threes like this. They finally got healthy shortly before the trade deadline. So their offense has looked good lately. They, they've actually been playing well offensively. The, the defense, I don't think they did anything to address that. I think part of that Dude, is... Did they do that just by... Four, like now is Brad Williams for... Brad Williams. Brad Stevens forced to play... Robert Williams, just more minutes. Uh, we're like closer to 28 minutes a game for Robert Williams, and that will make more of an impact on the defensive end. That's possible, but I do think um, the Celtics will end up getting a big man on the buyout market. How are they going to do that if they just made a move to get under the tax? Doesn't immediately a buyout put them over the tax? I don't believe that it would. I think they'll end up having a buyout big man. I don't know who that will be, but I think they'll have another buyout big man. Um, so Robert Williams, yes, I do think he'll get more playing time. Yes, he might even be the starter now. He'll definitely start uh, against the Bucks on Friday night when Tristan Thompson is out. So that's cool. It could definitely open more opportunities. It should open more opportunities for him. But I do think they'll they'll end up replacing Tice somehow um, with likely a bio guy. Or at least that's the idea. How do you think Fournier fits into the lineup? Is he immediately your sixth man? Do you go to maybe 
Marcus Smart being your sixth man off the bench, who do you think – like how do you think they work with uh, the players around who the Celtics already have? Because I think of – I haven't – I think of Fournier as more of a, a shooter and just a natural scorer. And in my mind, uh, Marcus Smart's kind of a better playmaker. So he makes sense to me as kind of coming off the bench, alleviating Kemba and being more of the facilitator of the offense. How do you think he fits in that way? And is he a guy that – cracks the closing rotation um, or ends up playing at the, down the stretch over Marcus Smart? Or what's his fit, I kind of guess, in the rotation of guards? I think that's all to be seen. He's good enough that it's at least a question. And I think the better piece or more important piece from a Celtics perspective is that now you have options. Like before it was these four perimeter guys are so much better, so much more accomplished than anybody else. And now they have another guy. And and I think Fournier, like he could slide into the starting line and give them three, six, seven, six, eight guys to cause mismatches with teams that don't have three good wing defenders. He could help run the show when Kemba Walker's not on the court. He could, you know, be alongside Peyton Pritchard in a second unit backcourt if that's what they want him to do. I think. The bigger piece for Boston is just having more talent and more creators and more shooting. And, and a guy just, who can start on a second night of a back-to-back when Kemba's not there and seemingly don't have that much drop-off. Yeah, it, exactly. So all of that stuff is going to help a lot, assuming their spirit is not just totally <laughs> demoralized at this point. Uh, but I, I think I think he helps. I think he fits what they need. It's just how much does he move the needle? Um, and then the other piece of it, and I think like this, this it's kind of starting to grow a little bit. Like, How do the Celtics get from here to they're a contender? What is a step that they're taking? What's their plan to become that? And And I don't see it. I don't know what that is. Is it? It's definitely not immediately obvious. Is it hope that Bradley Beal wants to play with Jason Tatum and that the Wizards would agree to trade him for like Kemba, all the young guys and all the picks and pick swaps? Is it play, keep Kemba now and clear cap space for a couple years down the road when there are a few high profile free agents and Tatum and Brown? should be pretty awesome by then pretty close to their primes and ready to attract guys. Is it, is it just trade Kemba soon and, and dump his salary and try to create some sort of flexibility at some point? Um, Even though they, they wouldn't have much assuming they keep Fournier even without Kemba. Um, So I think that like, there are different ways to go about this for the Celtics front office. Um, but like, it's not as easy to see them becoming a contender or building a championship roster as it was two years ago. Like two years ago, they were like, they, Anthony Davis was on their minds and it seemed realistic or somewhat realistic for a little while. Um, even if they didn't get Anthony Davis, like they had, Kyrie, Tatum, Horford, Hayward, Brown, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, like 
they were loaded. And so now. Now, especially with the East getting better and like the fact that the Nets exist in the current form that they do, it's very hard to see their path. I think the thing that I'm trying to figure out is like, was there a move they could have made today that put them in a better position? I think the obvious question to ask is, could they have done uh, offered something better than the Nuggets did to get Aaron Gordon? Because he ended up being traded for what? R.J. Hunter, not R.J. Hunter, R.J. Hampton, a pick, and Gary Harris's car Hunter, Flashback. Shout out to R.J. Hunter. Shout out to his dad falling off the chair. Um, but the, and one could like I don't know if the Celtics necessarily had an offer that tops that. They were reportedly able wanted to offer two first round picks, um, which to me, if I'm the Magic and I'm blowing things up and I'm trading Vucevic, picks are more uh, more valuable than R.J. Hampton. Um, and I guess Gary Harris is expiring, but I'm clearly just like taking that from this uh, overvaluing the Celtics uh, assets in that regard because I would rather have um, Aaron Gordon. But if we're talking about things in terms of like contention, does adding Aaron Gordon make you that much closer to a contender than like, does it give you the star power to start competing with a team like the Nets or the Sixers or the Bucks at this point? Well, first of all, the Celtics, they did have talks about Aaron Gordon. I don't think they ever put uh, two first round picks on the table. I think the Nuggets just really liked RJ Hampton. And, and you that's mean the Magic? I mean, the Magic. Yeah, I, I think the Magic valued Hampton at a very high level and really liked him and thought that he was on a different level than any of the Boston young guys. And, and like, they, they legitimately placed value in him. So I think that's why they did that, and that's why they were and the Celtics were completely never entertaining putting Marcus Smart in the deal as was kind of like floated out there. It was I think Mark Murphy from the Herald said that Celtics management went to Smart and just was like, "Nah, this is we're we've never entertained this." And so if that was like kind of the the Magic's parameters for getting Aaron Gordon to the Celtics, then that was clearly never going to happen. Yeah, so I I do think they were involved in Gordon talks for sure. Um but if they weren't going to pony up more and the Magic just valued R.J. Hampton more, then then there wasn't much. The Celtics would have had to overpay, basically, from, from their perspective at least, to get Aaron Gordon. They would have had to pay a lot more than the young guy, the pick, and the bad contract that the Nuggets were able to pay. So, so it's understandable that they didn't get Gordon. Um I'm not sure he like he's not great. He he he's was solid. He's because he was one player. of the bigger names out there. I feel like like this trade deadline turned into like like really hyped up Aaron Gordon, and I think he'll be a good fit in Denver. Um, but I don't think he would have really changed everything for the Celtics. I think it would help to have a forward with more size and more athleticism, but. But it's it's not like he would have come in and, and instantly changed things. And to get Fournier, um, who's not as young and not as athletic and probably doesn't have as high a ceiling, but was a lot cheaper, just two second-round picks. And, and the second-round picks are like, I think someone, I don't know who just reported this, was like a 2025 and a 2027. Yeah, that was Himmelsbach. 
just like future, like nothing picks. That's just absolutely nothing. Uh, and Jeff Teague, I just again pour one out for Jeff Teague in the middle of the Renaissance. Scored twenty six points before the deadline. Had a couple big threes against the Bucks the other night. Just as he was getting it together, uh, they're running Jeff Teague out of town. But yeah, I think I thought it was a, a, a good deal, but it's just like the Celtics kind of feel like they're in this weird purgatory where they have these two star players, but they're not in like a square position or a clear path to get them over the top. And I do think Kemba's health has a lot to do with that because a fully healthy Kemba Walker is worth paying $30 million a year. A Kemba Walker can't play on back-to-backs and is not as consistent. Is not like a guy who can get you 30 points uh, every single night or has the potential to do that. Um, That really feels like it hampers the team. Now, with that being said, I think because of the trade deadline, no one's going to remember the game they played against the Bucks on Wednesday night where they fall down by 23 and basically come all the way back. Kemba Walker in that third quarter, and I think in that second half, looked like the old Kemba Walker and was attacking. The Celtics are are a very dangerous team and a very solid team, and and it's basically the team that got to the Eastern Conference Finals last year when Kemba Walker is that at that level. It's just very hard to know with a point guard with at his size at his age that relies entirely on quickness um, whether or not you're ever going to get that kind of level of Kemba Walker that was there last year consistently, uh, especially over the next two and a half years of that, that huge deal. Yeah. And, and that's a huge part of it. Like if Kemba plays like Kemba did at the beginning of last season, then the Celtics fortunes could change. Then that's a team that like with Fournier, that's a team that no one, like I don't think they're favorites to win the East or like close to no one. Like, Obviously, you're still going to take the Nets in that thing, and I think you'd still take the Sixers and Bucks. But that's a team no one really wants to face in the playoffs because that's a like Kemba at his full strength with Marcus Smart, Fournier, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and I'm guessing a fully engaged Time Lord. That's a, still a very talented team that can do some damage in the playoffs and go on a run. I don't don't think they're the favorites, but they're still like a puncher's chance uh, and a team you definitely don't want to play in the playoffs. But it feels really like it's hard to be confident relying entirely on the health of Kemba uh, for like the kind of the status of your team. And I, I also think like we talk all of this about the need for bench scoring and and all this stuff that we talk about. The least talked about thing has been that the Celtics defense has slipped to 26th over the last two months. And it has been horrible. And and I think it's it's possible that things will just get better because you know they're playing a six seven guy now rather than Jeff Teague who's six one or whatever he is. Um, it, it it could get better just because the energy's changed now and the Celtics look around and think okay, there couple couple new guys are here. That's cool. kind of the wild thing, and the Bucks game was a clear indication of that where it's. In the first half, they really didn't seem like they gave a fuck at all about basketball being engaged. And then you could see them like it felt like they were playing for pride in the second half. And it really felt like Celtics basketball of yesteryear when they were locked in and they come storming back into this game with stops and things like that. And 
we have not seen a consistent, we've not seen a 48 minute performance from the Celtics this entire year. And I don't know if a trade maybe changes things up and they realize that like they need to get things going. Um, but like, it, it really feels like attitude or like engaging, being engaged on the defensive end it will determine how far the Celtics team goes and something needed to change. And so hopefully this deal for Fournier and kind of switching things up on the roster changes things. But like, you're right. It's, it's the defense and it don't like considering the roster had not changed from the team that went to the Eastern conference finals last year. It really should not have been like that big of an issue that Shemi Ojale and Grant Williams weren't like knocking down threes. Like that shouldn't be a reason to totally derail uh, what otherwise was a good defensive team. Yeah. And I think that it's, it's been confounding. And for a while you could say, okay, they're not healthy for a while. You could say, you know, Marcus smarts out for a while. You could say Jason Tatum just isn't right because of COVID. But I think, you know, as time built and and Marcus Smart came back and they got healthy again, and and it's just been the lack of effort, the lack of fire, the lack of heart, the lack of communication at times has just been startling. It's been it's been really bad, and I think I think maybe that's where the Celtics fell short in rearranging their roster is that they might need like more more fiery defenders you know like like who like who's there i mean obviously marcus smart is but other than that like like robert williams he's gonna block shots and, and have steals but like who's the gritty wing who's gonna like like try to punk you like like jay crowder or like like start screaming in somebody's face or well, it's kind of it's and, and a wing, but it was kind of stu- Tice had that like kind of mentality. I mean, he was willing to get dunked on. He was definitely yelling at the refs. He's definitely getting a horrible whistle. Like Tice, I think the reason why I liked him so much as a player is that he wasn't like the biggest guy, but he hustled his ass off and was constantly contesting shots and Danny two blocks. And so I think there's a concern from my end of like the defense may suffer as good and athletic as Robert Williams is his positional defense shout to new uh, Houston rocket uh, Kelly Olynyk uh, is just not the same as Tice was. And so, and Thompson, I mean, Justin Rowan came on this podcast and told us that Tristan Thompson was going to be all heart, all effort, like hustle guy. And then we he, have he gets a ton of offensive rebounds, but he's not the like the dog on on defense who's like really scaring guys. And we're hearing uh, reports some some scuttlebutt from our man KOC that he's been uh, maybe not well liked in the Celtics locker room. That was shot down by Celtics players and Brad Stevens. Well, what uh, they're going to say? Yeah, I believe that. Like, I that's true reporting. I mean, I think it's just. Tristan Thompson has been disappointing. I thought it was interesting to... You just wanted to believe Tristan was hated. I trust KOC, and I fully will believe that. I trust that. Kevin, too. And so it's just... I I do have concerns that like that's the way like the defense is still not going to be great. And so uh, we shall see. They have another game against the Bucs. Um, a heck of a way for Daniel Tice to end his Celtics career. Yeah, well, I mean, that's just tough. Tough to go out that way, isn't it? It's... 
it's memorable, but uh, yeah, missing that three pointer, like wide open look back rim. If he stays in place, like Brooke Lopez probably clobbers him, but of course he would never get the call. Um, I think that's going to tr- perfect transition to what I'm going to take as the um, first pick in the potable six pack. But when we first, before we get to that, we have, of course have to shout out our good friends at night shift and the official beer of anything is potable, the Santilli IPA. Enjoy the Santilli. Enjoy all the beers that Night Shift has to offer. If you want to find out where Night Shift uh, is sold near you, go to nsbeer.co slash beerfinder. You'll get all the places it is sold. If you want it delivered and you're in the Boston area, go to the Night Shift website, uh, get some Santilli delivered to you, and it'll be a good time. We had many good times with Daniel Tice, and... Friends, uh, the war on Tice is over, and it, Danny Two Blocks, Mr. B-plus himself, uh, t- hell of a way to end his Celtics career. A guy who basically went from nothing, I guess not not nothing, defensive player of the year in the Bundesliga, but <laughs> went from not playing at all like behind uh, uh, Baines and Horford to uh, a solid starter on the Eastern Conference Final last year. You just got to – you pour and add some Santilli for Daniel Tice. Just getting kicked in the face, never getting a whistle, knocking Look, down some threes. This, this whole potable six-pack is going to be dedicated to Daniel Tice. We're just picking Tice, Tice things, Tice moments, Tice – all Tice. Well, okay, if it's all Tice, I do have to give a shout-out to Evan Fournier for telling Celtics fans to Google his last name – uh, in a tweet that's just a funny bit i appreciate some good old french comedy don't do it people don't ever google fournier's last name no it, it's it's weird mangled penis stuff and no one wants to see that but um all right i'm you, you caught me off guard with t- six tice moments but do you have what's your second it doesn't have to be tice moments anything related to tice i'm going right. with I'll go I'll ahead one the tice seal the Ooh, tice seal the tice seal I, I just i appreciated how it went from he was not playing at all to all of a sudden he's starting and nobody thinks he's going to be any good. And nobody thinks that Celtics front court is going to be any good to, Oh, Tice is, Tice is all right. Tice, Tice is all right. And Oh shit. He, he, he does this seal thing. Kind of like Marsan Gortat used to do. And it gets, it gets those guys a lot of layups and the refs got a little, Little stricter with it this season. It, they it didn't like that Tice was sneaking him one past the goalie there. It was it wasn't allowed as as easily this season, but for a while the the Tice seal had a hell of a run. All right, that's a great great first pick. What's your next one? It's your turn. Oh, so that was your first pick. All right, I'm gonna go with. <laughs> I'm you threw me off here. Uh, Dan two blocks. I mean, he was a for a guy who is six seven six eight. He contested the hell out of shots and just got a bunch of blocks that just seemingly came out of nowhere and just all hustle, all position. When the Celtics were good on defense last year, it was because they moved on a string five different guys, and he was the key to all of that. And it's just – they just did not – he's not a rim protector, but he managed to get so many blocks. It's just wild, uh, his ability to do that. And so definitely going to have to go with Danny two blocks. My next pick – is going to be his pick, his pick and pop game, his pick and roll chemistry with Kemba. Really, the only big on this team who had any pick and roll uh, efficiency. He wasn't the greatest at stepping out to three, but he had his moments. But he was great at knocking down that foul line jumper, and 
he just seemed again just being in the right position just a solid player he was solid and sturdier than brad wanamaker who's a newest member of celtic south at the charlotte hornets but just a just a solid offensive player from uh daniel tice loving the pick and pop game from him this is going to be something i'm not sure a, a lot of people will know but with the german accent the the way he said Gordon was just awesome. <laughs> Gordon, 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 and and he was Hay- he was a good friend of Hayward, so he would say his name a lot. Gordon, Gordon, <laughs> and I, I just appreciated it. And I'm doing a terrible job with the accent. No, that's spot on. That's I I've heard him say Gordon, and that's pretty much exactly how he says it. <laughs> that that I'll always remember the Gordon, um, and then. What else should I go with? Oh, ooh, ooh. I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. You have no clue. What do you think I'm going to say? Saw Terry Rozier's favorite white boy? No, but that would have been an even (laughs) better pick. I was going to go with the the stop on Trey Young. Oh, that's a great one. Isolated against Trey Young, all-star at the time, and shut him down. Shut him down. In in ISO at the three point arc, didn't foul. It was it was a beautiful moment. It was a moment that showed off the quick foot speed. It was a moment that showed off the defensive intelligence. It was a moment that showed off that that Tice, though not as tall as most big men, was different in a lot of ways than than some some other guys considered better than he was before he really really played well over the last couple of years. Yeah, I'm going to uh, give an honorable mention to you giving him a B-plus when he clearly had an A-minus season. Uh, shout out to him for being Terry Rozier's favorite white boy. Um, that should have been the number one pick. I mean, I think it's obvious. It's I hope he still is Terry Rozier's favorite white boy, although I'm thinking Nick Friedman may be in the running soon, uh, given the Charlotte Hornets' success. I'm going to try to find a way to work him into every single podcast. Every single show. Um, I think Daniel Tyson, the locker room, sneaky, hilarious guy, very willing to talk shit. Like he wasn't always getting interviewed when we actually had access to the locker room. He was always talking shit to every single person around him, which is just fun to see. He was like very willing to be uh, himself and kind of just uh, kind of an asshole, which is just fun uh, in the locker room. But like a like not a not a dick, but an asshole. And so I think there's like an important distinction there. Um, he was just a fun guy to be in the locker room. But the thing that I'll obviously remember the most is the war on Tice. I mean, the guy just never got a good whistle. Constantly, like, I'm shocked he didn't foul out of more games this year. It was more of a problem last year. Kind of a problem in the playoffs. But, man, this guy got kicked in the face. Kicked in the face. He got his genitals attacked. Who elbowed him right in the groin recently? Uh, was it Kyle Lowry? It feels like a Kyle Lowry thing to do. No, it's James Harden. James Harden did it. Um, but just constantly taking abuse. It got so much so that like Mike Gorman's laughing about it during the broadcast, but the war on Tice, it's going to be uh, nice not to have to see that anymore, um, but just good. Just kudos to Tice for just living through that, just living through the worst whistle in the league for the past two years. Yeah, I mean, he really did get a tough whistle too. Like A lot of people think they get a tough whistle and it's because they're fouling guys all the time but but tice really just got the man was kicked in the face and nothing happened (laughs) it was it it was an incredible run from tice 
from from third string center to sort of a fan favorite for a little while ish ish or at least or at least established fan favorite at least someone like celtics fans understood the value of and the good Celtics fans. You're a smart Celtics fan if you if you appreciated Tice fully because he was just solid defensively and just did the little things like this uh the snake and seal and the pick and pop and uh threw down some surprising dunks sometimes. Just man, tough times for just losing a guy like Tice just to get under the tax. But Jay, I know you gotta go. That means we gotta go. And we will see what happens with the Celtics. The newly constructed Celtics. We'll see what Evan Fournier does uh as they play the Bucks again. They got a back-to-back, and then they'll play the Thunder. No Kemba. It'll be a real good time for Evan Fournier to shine. If you guys like the show, please subscribe, uh, rate it five stars, tell a friend, do all those things podcast hosts tell you to do. Before the kid, the god, the legend, Jay King from The Athletic, I'm Sam Jam Packard, and thank you for listening to this episode of Anything is Possible!